Welcome to the Basketpedia podcast. Tonight we have Lauren Glenn of Olivet Nazarene University and Doug Porter of Bethel University. Doug used to be the coach at Olivet and Lauren took over the program for him and they are playing each other on Wednesday night and it's a rare occurrence that you get two system teams to play each other. So on this edition, we'll be discussing their game and asking them some questions about the system. So stay tuned. Welcome everybody. Tonight I have Lauren Glenn from Olivet Nazarene and don't mind his thing. He's not Pam. He is Doug Porter from Bethel. Um, these two know each other very well. Um, they're both system coaches. Uh, Lauren used to coach with Doug or for Doug and Lauren has taken the program over and done big things winning 20 something games a year for about the last six years, seven years in a row. And Doug's in his second season at Bethel. And I brought him on tonight because they're playing tomorrow night. Um, and you don't, when only 1% of colleges, maybe even less than that, um, run the system, you don't get to see a system team versus a system team. Did you guys just plan the game or did it come about? You guys talk about it. How did, how did the game come about? I don't know. Was it, did you ask me to play at homecoming or did I ask you? I don't remember. I think you asked me and we, we were really looking forward to it being a big event where we could get just a lot of alumni back from all yeah. different eras and make it a big, big celebration uh, with doing our alumni meet and greet after the game. And obviously different plans arose with COVID. <laughs> it was supposed to be Friday night then all of it canceled their homecoming celebrations. And so we moved it to Wednesday since it didn't matter. And now we're down to 50, 50 total counting players. So not a lot of fans. Yeah. Uh, Bob, Bob Belf, you guys know, well, is, is upset. He was, he was, he was planning on making the journey down there. So, as you guys know, you've been on some of my Zoom stuff, and we're going to be putting together a Zoom watch party to, to watch you guys. And I've been told that it's not going to look pretty, but what are your guys' goals for the game? We were joking off air. I know what Doug, Doug proposed to Lauren, but I'd poke my pencil, poke my eyes out with the pencil if he did that. So he was joking around saying play flex and play half-court man. I don't see that ever happening. It's really, really fast flex, though. <laughs> Without, pressure in the two three <laughs> without without the the down screen just the flex cut with the flare less the yeah. version okay yeah. um what do you guys have you talked about it amongst yourself do you have a target number do you have any ideas of how high you want to go with this or how high it can get i mean i asked i asked you guys what the record is for most points in a game um, do you guys think that you can get there, potentially? No. What do you think, Lauren? I don't think so. I mean, Doug, you have more experience playing system versus system. I remember one of my first years we at Olivet played, was it Berea down in Kentucky when yeah. Bunky was there? And, yeah, just pure chaos. I think the score won't be as high maybe as people might assume or predict. Yeah, it was like 106 to 98 or something. I mean, it was it – was, Low hundreds, I think. 
But the thing that people don't realize, and I didn't even realize till we played uh, Berea, is if you're both pressing each other, you're forcing a lot of turnovers and that tempo is not, I mean, how it can't be faster than full speed, which is what the system is trying to make the opponent do. So the tempo won't change, but um, you're both forcing a lot of turnovers. So even then that might lead you to score more yourself, you're giving it back because they're forcing you into turnovers as well. So you lose those opportunities. So it's, it's all a wash, I think. So it's a little bit different preparation. Usually you're preparing for a totally different team. Did you do anything different or you just say, hey, we're practicing against each other. This is what it's going to look like. What did you guys? I don't know. What you, what you did to plan for us, Lauren? <laughs> uh, just said, hey, we're, we're going to do a scrimmage section, us versus us. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I told them all your terminology. I said 44 and 55 press, sideline three and one. There we go. Uh, I think... Uh, what we talked about was just the value of um, just just learning how to how to be disciplined. And the teams that beat us have usually been either teams that are physically better, which is true of everyone, uh, in terms of how you how you have to compete against good teams. I mean, you're going to probably lose to teams that are physically better than you are most of the time. But also, um, the teams that beat you are the ones that are just disciplined, and, and they're they're able to handle the ball, handle your pressure, and don't allow you to speed them up. And yeah, we talked today in practice about, and I'm sure this is, it was a weird feeling going over preparing for a system team in practice because I found myself saying, this is what Olivet's going to do. And this is what they're trying to make you do. They're trying to get you out of control. That's no big secret. Lauren knows that's what they're going to try to do to us, and that's what we're going to try to do them. I think the, the edge goes to the team that, is better able to stay disciplined and not get flustered and not get uh, out of control um, because there's a difference between playing fast and being out of control. And if, if you get panicky and uh, try to play faster than you're capable of, that's when you have issues against the system team because that's what they're good at is getting you to, to play in a way that you're not comfortable with. Well, Doug, you've already played a game and we watched some of that and last year didn't go the way you wanted with the system. You, you had to kind of go away with it, away from it because of things that happened. Um, looks like the girls were picking it up pretty well and your point guard play was really good. What do you think is, what is the approximation for your season? What, how do you think you're going to do this year? Um, I think we'll just keep getting better throughout the year. It's a process for us because we're really like a first year system team not only because we only played system for about six or seven games last year uh, before we started to pull in our horns due to depth problems, um, but also because we have so many new players. We have nine of our top 15 are, are first year with us. I think six or seven of those are freshmen and a couple of transfers. So we're young in terms of system experience, even though we're better athletically and a lot more depth, we're still we're still inexperienced, and that's the difference between us and all of that right now is they have a tradition of system play, and everybody who's returning has had at least one full season with it, but we don't, and that's what's going to be tough for us. Um, the other issue for us is we'll, we'll get better throughout the year, but about the time we start getting 
making significant progress. About the time that, as I've always put it, the light bulb, you know, the little cartoon light bulb that goes on over your head, ding, you know, when you get it, you come to a realization that you actually know what you're doing and you don't have to think so much, which is our goal as a system team. Uh, that's that's going to be coming about the same time that we hit, hit our conference season. And our conference is really good. I mean, the, the CCAC is good, but it's more like four or five really good teams spread out among 16. Isn't that where you're at right now, Lauren? 16 teams? And so, 15, but yeah, I would agree with what you're saying. Yeah, so about the time we get to our conference play, we're going to be hitting every other team we play is a top 20 caliber team. Now, not this year since NAI consolidated, but last year we had five. Five of our 10 teams were, were ranked pretty consistently throughout the year in the top 20 to the top 25. So when we get into conference play, we, we could be pretty good and still be in the bottom half of the league. Uh, and the top teams could literally pound us if, if we don't come out and play well. So that's my concern. That's my, I guess, prognosis about where we'll be this year. Um, we're, we're a lot better than last year in terms of our capability of playing the system, but we're still, we still have some areas that we're weak in, inexperience being one and size being another uh we're not very big so playing small ball is fits us perfectly but it would be nice to have some big forwards which we don't have yet lauren how many returners you have coming back from last year we have 12 (laughs) 12 off of a 20 win season and how many are on the roster this year? We've got 16 on our roster this year, 16. Okay. Some red shirts then, maybe? What's that? Some red shirts? <clears throat> no. Um, no, just 16. We're a little, a little short-handed. I wouldn't say short-handed, but I'd, I'd rather have 18. Uh, but that's where we're at this year. Gotcha. Um, thought this would be a good question because a lot of people are kind of going back to practices and they're limited on what they can do with COVID rules. Do you guys have any ideas or drills or shooting things or what you've been doing when you couldn't really have contact? Um, I'm sure you had to go through that protocol of no contact when you got to contact or were you guys allowed to just have contact from day one? Well, Indiana has actually got you know, a rational brain in their head um, in terms of how that works. Sorry, California. Sorry, Illinois. But you guys, I've just, I've never seen a, a bigger case of being overreacting. I'm, I'm old. I'm 60. You know, uh, I've been coaching for a long time. So I get to have opinions. <laughs> I think you guys are idiots. I don't understand why you would have a basketball practice where you can't pass the ball. It just blows my mind when I hear the restrictions that well-meaning athletic directors and ministers have put on people. But given that, put that aside, um, I guess shoot to yourself, um, shooting, by, just shoot get the shooting gun. That's, that's one thing you can do. This is nothing, you guys can tell me more than I can tell you about how to do those things because we didn't ever have those restrictions. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still not allowed, I'm still not allowed back. I have a you meeting. Move, Mark. <laughs> I have a meeting tomorrow. Um, to discuss when we can start going back to practice. So, yeah. um, I mean, it's kind of 
kind of weird without getting political. It's the day after an election. So um, that has anything to do with it. Uh, Lauren, what, have you done, did you have to do something special? I think you had Doug alerted to your wacky rules. So um. yeah, you know, we, we actually were pretty fortunate. Uh, we were able to have contact from the first time we were on campus. Okay. And so fortunately we had that going for us. Uh, I know a lot of the Chicago schools didn't, but we were, we were able to, to play pickup games from the first time they stepped on campus in August. So I don't know if I have a lot of experience to add to the, the what do you do when you don't have contact? I, I would agree with Doug and just get some shots up. <laughs> I mean, uh, and just some fun shooting competitions. I think that's always motivating, but couldn't you probably know more too than, than I could uh, add to that, Mark? I got two days of it in and then it got taken away from me in the summer. And we did a lot of spin spin catch series and just spin it out, go run after it, catch Mark, it. You can, do a lot, you can do a lot of form shooting. There you go. You don't even need a ball. <laughs> just spread them out around the court, 20 feet apart, and form shoot. Uh, yeah. um, on the Facebook group, um, I, I did a poll, thought I'd ask you guys this is what's the biggest thing that's hard for coaches to teach players and overwhelming it was to teach them the pace, how, how fast, how hard to play and how fast to play. Do you guys have any pointers? For how to do that? Yeah. Well, how to get them to do first. It. I, I, we're still struggling with that. <laughs> what do you think, Lauren? Um, it's a great question. I would agree with that statement. Although Doug, you got them running pretty fast at all of it, and you started that there, so you did you did something to set the set the tone. I, I think even uh, something as simple as having them compete for a race, like they're running from one end of the court to the next, and you're putting something on the line in that case, and they're running and touching the sideline like a wing player might and saying that, okay, first one, you know, wh whoever wins uh, here, you know, give them some, some motivation of a reward or a consequence. And then say, that's how, what hard I want you running when we're running our break. Yeah. Just thought, you know, make it and then blow the whistle anytime they don't make them restart and do it again. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I was on another podcast where a guy let me be a guest and I had Paul Westhead in there and he used to say, he used to blow his whistle if they weren't across midcourt in two seconds and put them all on the line. Yeah. Um, and Make a run for not running. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, <laughs> kind, of, kind of ironic, right? Make them, make them. Yeah, take the basketball away from it and all of a sudden it becomes work. And then I did ask him the question, which he thought was, who did it better, women or men on the system? And his answer was kind of unique. He said, women will, tell, will do exactly what you tell them to do. Yeah. You tell them to run to that corner and like put their foot on the baseline, they'll do it because they're pleasers. Men will, will ask you why you need to put your foot on mm -hmm. that line. Um, yeah. So he said or it did help. Put their foot six inches from the line just to show you they don't have to listen to you. And he said it did help that he had Diana Trost. Yeah. So, and get, get was, their foot, put it on the baseline, and give the ball to Diana. 
And she said, I guess she met him at the airport and said, don't sugarcoat it, do what you did with the men. <laughs> what Diana said, that's probably why she's one of the best, so. Um, yeah, and I, I would say just to follow up with that question, Mark, um, we had that we had that struggle. I've done this three times now at Olivet and then at uh, North Central and now here at Bethel. And at North Central, even going into the second year, we still didn't really get the tempo. And so something that we would would do was um, put five players in the lane and toss the ball off the boards and have have a rebounder get it out to the point guard and have everybody run their lanes and sprint to their spots on the far end of the floor. And they didn't even shoot it when they got down there. They just had the point guard push it and everybody sprint to their spots as fast as they could. And if I, if I wasn't satisfied that they were actually sprinting, then we'd come back and do it again. And we'd just until they get the, get what it feels like to really sprint. And I, I often have found myself and we're still struggling with that. We're still learning how to do that with this team at Bethel, but I, I often would stop and say to the team, hey, girls, you know, we're not, I'm not really speaking metaphorically when I say run as hard, as hard as you can. I'm actually, I actually mean it. I really do mean sprint as fast as you can, not fast jog. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of using sarcasm as a, as a teaching point here so that they don't believe half of what I say because every other comment is sarcastic. But I really do think that sometimes they don't think you're serious when you when you say sprint because they've been trained that that playing hard means playing hard for like five or six minutes now and playing hard in the system is not playing hard like you would if you were playing six minutes except just playing hard for 40 seconds it's it's playing faster than that for 40 seconds and that shift is hard to get so every drill you do that involves either half court in or full court, you, you just have to ha keep an eye on whether they're actually sprinting. And I, the one thing I would suggest to new guys running the system is film your early practices and then watch the video later and ask yourself, are these kids really sprinting or are they jogging? And the video won't lie to you. You'll really see how slow they're really going at first and what they think is fast isn't anywhere near top speed. And if they can get that concept, but, but I'm not, I won't, I won't fool you on this. It just takes a lot of time. It's not, it's something you have to emphasize all the time. Once they get it, then it self perpetuates kind of like it's done at all of that. Everybody jumps in, the newcomers come in and they, they get it. But up until that point, uh, until you get it hardwired, it's a, it's a constant struggle. Are you guys doing three groups or just two groups? your shifts we're going to yeah two two shifts and intermixing players in the in the two units we're yeah. trying we're trying for it depends on who's healthy i mean we haven't have everybody healthy yet uh so for us we've got three three point guards we like and i think that's the determining factor for us um so we're, we're trying three in that third unit's just not playing as much um, for us, but we'd rather early in the season play three since we have three point guards. Now there may come a time later on we do something different, but because we have three, three point guards that we like, um, I think we're, we're more inclined to that in that direction. 
at the high school level, is 13 too few? Or is that a decent number? I think it's a perfect number for high school. I think that's plenty because you're only playing 32 minutes. Mm -hmm. You get the quarter breaks. Well, college women get the quarter breaks now too, but you only get, you get that. And, and 13 with the shorter game, I think that works pretty well. That was my thought process with having your set 10 and then you have like a third string um, ball handler, wing or post, whatever, whatever the, the last three. And then you can, if they're playing better, you can always move the chess pieces around, right? So um, where do you guys think this go with the system on the women's side? Lauren, I think you're, I think you've set the record. Is it at 107? Is that the number or am I wrong? Is that as high as you've gotten it for a season? For average scoring in a season? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we're at one, 111, 111 a couple years back. Yeah. Was that with Abby? Mm -hmm. when oh, after Abby, Coach. You sure? Yeah, pretty sure. Because you guys had you, – you guys went back from Grinnell to, to Olivet four out. And, and you did that one last year. Well, it wasn't one. I mean, you're still doing that. But you went back to that and really pushed tempo. And then since then, you, you guys have been a little more conservative defensively. But that was the year you just went all out. And it was after Abby, I'm, I'm almost certain, because because um, you were doing, you went back to four out and your scoring average went up. Uh, Grinnell takes a little longer to score, actually, surprisingly, because you're, you're running players off screens and, uh, in, a, in the four out all of it style, you can, you can score really quickly, just the nature of the structure. So I'm pretty sure you can check and let me know, but. I believe you. Well, I can tell how often I keep track I was, of I all that stuff. I, I know all your records. <laughs> broke all of mine, so. I'm more worried about it for score you know. <laughs> Lauren was, would you compare and contrast the Grinnell and the Olivet? Cause you're the only woman's coach that I know that's really ran the Grinnell version. Most of them have not. I mean, because of Doug, Doug starting it on the girls' side and doing all of that, and a lot of people's belief that the guards are too small to throw the ball to the fade and the curl. Um, what, what can you compare and contrast the two? I, I really enjoyed doing the Grinnell um, when we did it, but I, I think it really takes an elite point guard who's a really good passer and who can also score at the rim so they have to be a threat and then they have to be able to be a really good passer I don't know if I don't know if the size matters quite as much as it does just their passing ability and decision making because there's so much pressure on them to be able to make that play uh, so if you've got a, a great point guard who could score at the rim and who's also a really good passer and could even make those jump passes and be decisive about that then I really like it um and we also did it because we just felt like she was our our best driver and we'd rather not have certain other people driving and just being able to pick their spots and and shoot the ball um we went away from that when we felt like we didn't necessarily have that point guard who could score it at the rim and who was an elite level passer so that's when we felt like the the ONU we went back to that ONU style Okay. The issue, though, is you got to have more than one elite point guard to run the Grinnell. 
Because exactly. of because of, of system, I mean, you're playing either two, exactly. potentially even three players at that spot. So exactly, yeah. You know, probably probably three at times because you're just killing your players at 40 minute game if you're just going A B A B A B with with your point guards. I mean, Doug's done it. Other people have done it. Probably maybe they'll move their shooting guard to point guard on a shift here or there to give give the top point guards a rest. I mean, there's strategy and all that stuff. Me being new to it, I'm not necessarily worried about the XO part too much. I'm more worried about in the end game and, and designing of shifts and getting the right shifts together and moving that around. How long does that take? I mean, you guys have been doing it for years. Um, is that a, a, lo- a big learning curve? Um, you probably have more to talk about with that, Doug. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've tinkered with it. I, it the, the, the confounding factor for me has always been injuries. Um, I didn't, I didn't plan all those units and try to get them, try to get them all balanced out and then somebody will get hurt and it messes everything up or somebody gets COVID or it gets contact traced. What we're doing this year is something I've never done before, which is try to play more positionless. And we're working towards that. We haven't got it totally figured out yet, but once you're positionless, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, the structure of the shifts doesn't, is not quite as critical. I remember going years ago, going to Grinnell and talking with Coach Arsenal, and he's uh, he had me uh, watch practice. They they were kind of in preseason, and they, the guys were just playing pickup ball in the gym and shooting around a little bit. And so I I uh, was in there, and several of his guys came up and introduced themselves. You know, they're really polite, well mannered kids, and just really sharp young men. And they came up and said who they were, and I would I said, well what position do you play? And they all, they all told me their position in terms of where they played on defense. I'm a left wing or I'm an up or I'm a safety. They didn't talk at all about where they were on offense. And the reason for that is that in the way coach Arsenal designed it with them was where you were on defense determines where you are on offense, which we, we picked up on. But that was the emphasis. It's, it's your defensive skill that determines where you're playing on the floor. What, what are, what's your skill set for defense? Uh, but uh, the right wing was where he would put his best scorer, best shooter, because they were running off the double screen. So whoever you put in that position tended to be, uh, you know, have the skills to, to do that on offense and defense. So to get back to your question, um, creating a unit, you have to take both those things into account. You know, you have the right kids on the floor defensively. Do you have the right kids on the floor offensively? Do you have enough scores to make it work? Do you have rebounders? And sometimes you'll get a unit out on the floor and you say, what was I thinking? But you just get through the sh- get through it and say, okay, let's move on and get, get the next group out there. Um, this year for me, it's been pretty easy because my thought process in a nutshell has been, I'm going to keep my, my top unit together because they've been playing with each other for a while. And I'm going to put a couple of freshmen with them in that unit because uh, the freshman point guard that I put with them, I think, is was the best passer. She's the most inclined to give them the ball. And then with my second unit, I, I kept some kids together who liked each other. 
So in both cases, it was it was a matter of keeping kids together who, who either played well together or liked each other or were friends off the court. And I figured, well, why? You know, they're in college ball. Let, let them play together. Let them play in their same group. And and so that that's part of the thought process. That's not real technical. Uh, it's not X and O stuff. It's more inter, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to go into. I think bottom line is. Um, just you trust your gut and you'll figure it out and trial and error until you feel confident that you've got 10 kids that you can rely on. I got a group of six seniors and seven underclassmen. So I was half tempted maybe at one point with it, just putting the six, six seniors in a group and the, and the seven other. Mark, that's illegal. You can't do that. Is that illegal? You can't play six. I wish you could. So, well, one would obviously be rotated in with the six. So, yes, uh, I, I would want six. There wouldn't be there wouldn't be enough space on the floor. Yeah, but if they get along, that helps. It's there's nothing wrong with that, and they have fun with it. And there's something to be said for splitting up your best players too. And if your best players are in one group, you know that can work. But you're really going to see a bigger fall off with the other group too. So. There's no, the bottom line is there's no one right way to do it. Lauren, how often throughout the season do you switch up your shifts? Are you constantly doing it or at some point do you just say these are our shifts and then we're just rolling with it? I think the first, the beginning of the year, those first several games, we're really just trying to find that chemistry that Doug is, is talking about. And it, it does really come into who we feel like likes playing with each other too. And it's funny with, with females, I think some of that really does play into their chemistry. Um, and then once we get, a, we feel like a flow, or we feel like there's a good chemistry, we, we pretty much go with those units. Um, except for, you know, injury, as Doug mentioned, and we've experienced a lot of that in the past. And so there is having to be adaptable and, and then change the players playing different positions or playing with different units. Um, and then this year there is COVID. And so we've kind of just mentioned that early on that just be ready for anything. Uh, I think it really does help when you have your ones and your fives playing together, that those, those two, um, are very helpful from an inbounds and getting the offense initiated, but I don't think it's quite as, as necessary with some of those other positions to, to find that right balance. Yeah, the fives are the inbounders in our terminology. So, yeah, if you can get if you can get them coordinated with the point guard that they like, uh, that prevents a lot of miscommunications. So, did you guys have to switch your referee handles for tomorrow night's game? We don't have any plays in yet. We haven't had time to try to learn how to play. I don't think we'll be running any plays tomorrow. <laughs> I think, think, I think the first person that runs a play, the coaching, the system coaches will vote you guys off the island. We're just no, I'm just kidding. Um, we're gonna have a good time tomorrow night. Um, I appreciate you guys coming on. I hope you guys enjoy it. I know you guys are real close with each other, and I hope your programs have fun tomorrow night. And I know you guys. I'm jealous. I'm envy that you guys are playing. Um, so you're, we're living through you guys um, kind of tomorrow night. So uh, no pressure. 
I'm just kidding. Um, what, what, by the way, Mark, what's the, what's the line in Vegas on the game? I haven't heard yet. Um, <laughs> mine, was, mine was much lower than some of the other coaches said. So we, we, did, we did have a joking line, but this is collegiate athletics. So I don't know if I could say the lines. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to it. It'll be fun. And I, I'm trying not to stress about it. It is, in, in a way, just another game. It's, it's not. I mean, you want to win. You want to do well. But it'll be fun to get back uh, home to Olivet and see people. And uh, I wish there could be a crowd there. But is there a... we're excited about it and just hope that we can use it as a learning tool and try to get better. So since Doug brought it up, is there a friendly wager for dinner after the game? <laughs> yeah. Give me Joe's coupon for a month. I guess we're there you go. Game, Lauren. Is that where you're going? There oh, you go. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> my assistant called him today. So this is a barbecue place in town that we basically lived at and took all our recruits to just so we could get a free meal at Jimmy oh, Joe's. Uh, but it's uh, I, we called in today and, and placed the order for pickup tomorrow night after the game and. A lady said, hey, by the way, is your is your head coach named Doug? <laughs> and then my assistant said, yeah, as a matter of fact, he is. He used to eat here all the time. We still have like an honorary seat for him. So oh, great place. Were, Looking forward to the food and the fun. thought yeah. they were going to tell me that they wanted you to pay your bill. I <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was not a, a preloader. Um, so we'll be on watching you guys. I just want to wish you guys health, uh, good luck. Thank you guys for all you do for system basketball, um, coming on to this, doing this, spending some time tonight. I know it's crazy night. It's election night. I'm not giving you any information, Doug. Don't worry. Um, I just know it's the election night. So, um, um, so good luck tomorrow. We'll be, we'll be on there cheering for you. I'll send you, Doug, I'll send you a text on the line. Okay. Um, okay. and then I'll, then I'll set the over under too. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, appreciate All right. it. All right. We'll be cheering tomorrow, you back tomorrow night. All right. See you, Lauren. Okay. See ya. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Basketpedia podcast brought to you by System Basketball. Make sure to subscribe to our Facebook group, System Basketball Coaches, to learn more about the system. Also, you can go to systembasketball.com and look up our virtual clinics on the system. <laughs>